if you want to change the tax laws in the US, just pay everybody their paycheck in cash and then make them hand you back the money. And I think it's the same thing. Like if you want to get more people into cash PT, make them have to hand fill out the HICFA forms. In about a week and a half, they'll be beating down your door. Aaron, help. God dang it, help me please. Hey, welcome to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast, the number one show for passionate physical therapists looking to start and grow an even more successful cash-based physical therapy business. I'm your host, Aaron LeBauer. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, before we get to the episode, real quick, if you're new to the show or haven't picked up your Cash PT checklist yet, then you're definitely missing out. This checklist lays out all the steps you need to start a cash-based physical therapy business. If you want me to send that to you, then just text CASHPT to 444-999. That's C-A-S-H-P-T to the number 444-999. And you'll get this essential checklist. Now on to the show. Hey, this is Aaron LeBauer and welcome back to the podcast. Today I have a special guest. Josh Satterley. Josh is another one of those chiropractors that I occasionally bring on the show. Um, however, Josh has something a little bit different going on with him. He is a not only a chiropractor, he's a, he was a private practice owner. Now he's an instructor and he helps. Um, he works with TPI and SFMA, functional movement, as well as he coaches other chiropractors in creating um, gym hybrid models. And I'm excited to have him on the show. I was on his podcast a few weeks ago. So, and we had a great conversation. I want to share what Josh knows with you guys. So Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being here. Hey, thanks, Aaron, man. It's great to be here. Excited. Like we're finally breaking down the walls of PT versus Cairo, right? I know, huh? It takes a few jabs every once in a while. I got a, I've had a few other chiropractors on the show. Um, one of them I'm going to uh, lunch with on Thursday. He lives here in Greensboro. Nice. All he practices more like you than, you know, like most people might think chiropractic. So let's start there. Like, yeah. How'd you get into chiropractic and like, how'd, how'd this whole journey start? Ooh, baby, that's a, that's a long and, and curvaceous story, I guess. But uh, I, I was in college uh, working in the athletic training room. Um, I was competing in Olympic weightlifting at the time up at a beautiful university called Montana State University in Bozeman, Montana. And uh, kind of always interested in the body. Um, I was actually studying engineering at the time, but um, wasn't quite what I wanted. Uh, unfortunately about halfway through my college career, my dad got diagnosed with a brain tumor. So spent a year at home taking care of him. Um, and you know, you, I, we probably saw, we saw cardiologists and oncologists and surgeons and everything. And I was just impressed at the time by like the chiropractor was just trying like hands-on talking to him, took time, sat down, discussed it. And I was like, wow, this person's really kind of going after what I want to do. And um, when I went back to, I, and luckily I'd seen a pretty progressive chiropractor, went back to the university a year later and I'm sitting in the training room, like kind of looking around, man, like we're behind the times. Like this stuff is crazy. Like we got to advance, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, finished up and decided to pursue chiropractic as a career. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Was there, um, was there anything between college and chiropractic school that you did or that switched for you or you're like, Oh, this is it. Or this is the, you know, is there something in the, in that era? You know, there were, there were two experiences that I'll tell you about that were funny. One, um, I spent my summers as a lifeguard at a local pool facility 
And so uh, luckily it was a great program. Everybody, we trained every day. We practiced all the time. Uh, we were, you know, hard charging, play, work hard, play hard kind of folk. And uh, one time we're going on this river rafting trip. Um, rafting is an embellishment. <laughs> Inner tubes and, you know, uh, you know, rafting. Like, right. you know, you're, you're going down the river. And uh, talking to one of the guys that worked there for years before me, I said, what do you do? He said, oh, I'm a chiropractor. I said, that's awesome. He goes, yeah, I love it because it allows me to do things like this. And I'm like looking around like it's Saturday afternoon, we're going river rafting and this guy's, so he said he worked, you know, uh, three and a half days a week and made sure he made the most of every weekend. I'm like, well, that certainly confirmed what I was <laughs> hoping was the truth. So did that. And then, um, and then actually, uh, you know, at that same time, just the idea of like, what can we, I think, <laughs> Emergency services kind of teach you about like, what can we do right now for this person? Like waiting is not an issue, right? And it always bugged me like when I would get injured in high school and whatnot, like, and I'll say this the same for PTs, like our job is what can you do right now for the person in front of you? Not like, let's wait four to six weeks, order an MRI two weeks from now and we'll see how the medication works. Like, no, no, no. Like right now in this office with your hands on that table, what can we do? And that, that interests me a whole lot more than sitting back waiting for things to happen. Right. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So you have a, uh, so for people out there, like I want to kind of, you know, give it, give an explanation. Can you, you're not, you're not currently, uh, you don't currently own a practice, but are you, are you currently treating patients at all? Yeah. So, uh, I was able to sell my practice about a year and a half ago and, um, uh, my, how would I, how would I say this nicely? My highest end clients uh, have a way of finding me. And, um, with the work I do teaching and, and, uh, relationships I built, I, I have quite a little stable of professional athletes and, um, uh, I, there's a couple wealthy individuals whose room that I, that, you know, one, one guy I treat in his basement has a massage room. That's probably better than any practice you or I have ever owned. <laughs> There's like a $10,000 Chattanooga, you know, Easton machine in the corner. I'm like, what's that? Oh, I bought it a few years ago in case I need it. <laughs> awesome. That's cool. Uh, so I treat, I treat some people every week like that. Probably just a dozen visits, like yeah. nothing crazy, but, um, it's, it, it's, I'm spoiled with that. Yeah. Right. Right. And so you, you're, you're, and you're instructing for TPI and SFMA yeah. or, okay. Yeah. Awesome. So and for people that don't know what like TPI, SFMA, can you just explain briefly what they are? And then how'd you get into, into this versus what like, you know, my main experience with chiropractors is a different type of magic crystals and stuff. Chiropractic. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, you know, what? No, no, no. Yeah. It's a great question. Up? Like, let me just start by like, uh, like saying just across our both professions, there's somebody that said this to me once as it rings out and they said, if I can walk into your facility and know what your license is by watching you, mm -hmm. you're not that good, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I can walk in and go, oh, that's obviously PT, blah, 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 because you're not doing manual therapy, you're not mobilizing joints or whatever, like, you know, you probably got some skill sets to work on. And I would say that if you walked into my facility two years ago, you would go, is this a PT clinic? Is this a chiropractic? Is a sports performer? What is this? And it's like, yep, it's all those things. And it's great. So as far as like how to get involved in that stuff. So I was a chiropractor and um, before I graduated college, uh, chiropractic college, I got certified in ART, active release technique. Are you familiar with it? Yeah. And so, you know, you get out and you want to help people and 
Um, so I was doing ART on everybody. I'd probably spend 20, 30 minutes doing just ART on people and then finally adjust them and send them home. And um, there was like a segment of my population I couldn't seem to get better. That would drive me nuts, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I did no rehab. I did nothing that would look like uh, active care, man. It was all hands-on and, and then send them off. And so it's this segment of my population, probably 30, 40% that were not getting the results I wanted. So being like any young student with no freaking direction or, or young, per, sorry, practitioner with no direction, uh, I went back to the ART seminars and tried to get even better at the soft tissue, not knowing that I probably needed to work on some other skill sets, right? Right. And I did that and I did that and I became an instructor for them. And at, um, at the instructors meeting one year, we hosted Mike Voigt. Do you know Mike Voigt? He's at Belmont. He's a PT instructor at Belmont mm -hmm. University. Mm -hmm. Him and Greg Rose, who's a chiropractor, and they came in to teach this SFMA uh, workshop. And they were like, basically they said, hey, what do you do for, you know, when somebody needs mobility and joints? It's like, oh, I do ART and I, you know, do these joint manipulations. And they're like, great, cool. What do you do for somebody that, at the term, kind of a simplified term, but what, somebody that's unstable? And I was like, what do you mean by that? And they're like, yeah, somebody's inherently doesn't have the motor control to control a joint. What do you do there? And mm -hmm. it, it was like, talking to somebody about selling ice cream on Mars. Like, am I, I, like, I don't understand your question. Like, right. what do you mean? Like, why would a joint not move? Cause it lacks motor control. And they're like, well, that, that's a, you know, commonly accepted in literature. I'm like, uh, I'm a chiropractor. We don't, we don't look at research, you know, like, <laughs> but, no, but, uh, <laughs> but seriously, I never even considered that question. And so they're like, well, let's demonstrate it. And they found a couple people in the room that, had that and I was like, oh my God, this, this changed my paradigm. It was like stepping out of the cave, you know, into the sunlight. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I need to learn this. So over the next year, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a little crazy. So I went to like five SFMA seminars. I was like, I need to know this cold because I'm not even like, I'm not even realizing that this question should be asked. And so I did that and I got pretty good at it. And I told them, Hey, I want to instruct this. Like it, ch it literally changed my practice life and the life of my patients. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to do that. And they're like, yeah, that's what everybody says. But they gave me a list of things to do before they considered me. I did them and came back and they like gave me that look. I don't know if you ever had that experience like, Aaron, go do these things. And you come back, you're like, I did them. And they're like, nobody actually does them. What's, right. what's the issue here, you know? So started instructing for them. And, and I think it's great because when, when we teach, I've never been in a room where it's just chiropractors or just PTs or there are always PTs, chiros, ATCs. There's always one or two OTs, a few of them I've taught, there's been RNs. Mm -hmm. There was a group of five orthopedic surgeons at one of them I taught. Um, and I think that unified language just goes so far. So yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just That's a, awesome. yeah. The SFMA is basically a, for those who don't know, it's like a movement-based diagnostic protocol that you just go through. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the thing for me that, uh, you know, I was a massage therapist for yeah 10 years before I became a PT, before I graduated. And then I did my PT thing and it was like five years in and a friend of mine showed me the top tier and I started doing, I was like, holy, uh, this, this helps just doing that, the top seven movements. Yeah. And I went to the course finally, cause I like had kids and other things in time, finally went to one and it was the thing that was like made everything I learned as a PT and PT school makes sense. Like, why would I do this? And it just, I was like, Oh, duh. Yeah. Like I should have learned that along. Like that's what I was going to PT school for to learn just because I already knew the hands-on stuff. You know, there were a couple of things, but it was um, a really powerful thing. And I usually don't talk a lot of treatment stuff, but that's a big part of this is who you are as the guest and what you're doing. And, well, I mean, you know. you're a business guy. Like, yeah, 
if you spend the time on the front end getting, it's not how much more treatment do they need? It's basically how efficient can you be with treatment? How, how much of a, you know, sniper can you be, which gives you better results, which people love. They come back as clients. And by the way, you're not, I mean, I'm sure like when you were a massage therapist going into PT, I'm going to guess you burned a lot of minutes doing soft tissue work after soft tissue, after soft tissue, after soft tissue. And you know, like that. For some people it's great. And for some people that's not what they need. Yeah. And you have to, you have to weigh that against how much you're getting paid for those minutes too. You know? Right. Yeah, actually. I mean, absolutely. And it's, it's allowed me to, like using this has allowed me to be more efficient as a physical therapist, whether yeah. I'm, and, and know like, okay, where do I need to go and what do I do? And, uh, how does it, it directs me more than anything else other than my intuition. Yeah. Um, and usually it meets matches my intuition. Um, but it That's uncovers good. some things that, you know, that patient who, you know, always feels tight and came from the massage therapist and I'm massage therapist and working out the knots and whatever. And I take it through the SFMA. I'm like, yeah, but you've got great mobility. You mm-hmm. got nothing that mobility wise that we need to work on. We need to, you know, and then it's like, okay, I got to convince this person that yeah. work on some stability and motor control exercises, et cetera. Right. So do you, would you say that was this something that moved your, moved the needle in your business? Were you in practice at that time for yourself? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I had a, at that time I first took that, I had a partner, um, older gentleman that he was 13, 13 years older than me. We went to school at the same time, but he had come out of the construction world mm-hmm. and, um, you know, every profession has its struggles. So as he would always tell me, uh, in construction, you don't get any thank yous. Like you, nobody ever says thank you because it's, you know, like you're ever behind or you're over budget or whatever. And he's like, you know, in healthcare, even though it doesn't pay as well as some, some parts of construction, he's like, you get a lot of thank yous, you know? Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh yeah, I, I, I can see that. And he goes, and five o'clock, the phone never rings on Friday in construction to say like, have a great weekend. <laughs> hey, the tractor ran over a water main and now the site's flooded, you know, that kind of stuff. So he was a great guy to be partnered with early on. Um, in 2013, I, I had my second son and that same year he decided to go back into construction. Um, and uh, so that I went solo. I was the solo practitioner at that time. and. Um, and yeah, so I was using it when I was in partnership and by myself using the SFMA. What it led to, which is kind of what I developed my model off of was when you have a unified language in a business and I can, it's very easy to assign tasks and be very clear about like what we're assigning, you know? And that's one thing that it opened up about patient care was because when he left, I, I needed another set of hands, but honestly, I didn't want to I didn't want to pay for another chiropractor or a physical mm-hmm. therapist. And so um, I can talk about what we did, but just uh, that unified language was huge, huge. Yeah. So is this unified amongst like just chiros and PTs or are we talking, you know, so in, in our model, sport? like I ended up leveraging some like personal trainer strength coaches to do a lot of the rehab and, and then transitioned into like active care. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say unified language for PTs, chiros, the strength coaches, the, massage therapists we had hired. We had had two, two massage therapists. Um, and even though we all had different tactics, at least we were identifying a unified language and what our target was, what yeah. we, what we needed the result to be and whatnot. Um, That's awesome. I think were the they, same happens in business. I would guess with your front desk, like you saying, Hey, did you follow up with Mrs. Jones? Yeah. They mean, did I leave a message? And what I meant was like, did you fit, did you actually talk to her? Uh-huh. You know? 
Uh-huh. Yeah. So with this, it's, and are we sending some people to get trained doing FMS or was this just all based on? Yeah. Um, both like there would be, cause there are some people that, um, you know, I don't think they have enough pain or enough um, injury to warrant like the highest paid person in the room, which is usually the PT or Cairo, mm-hmm. but they do have enough pain that, but a, a well-trained personal trainer or strength coach can certainly help them do some more uh, basic activity. So it's not going to look like a hard PT session or per, sorry, personal training session, but it'll look like um, the start of active care and, and, mm-hmm. and exercise. And um, you know, which goes back, like Kairos do things a little bit different than PTs. I think there's a lot of PTs that would hold on to those people. And, um, and you know, Medicare, for example, we only get paid for the hands-on mobilization of the spine. Mm-hmm. We don't get paid for anything else in Medicare. We don't even get paid for the diagnostics which is hilarious. Right. But so you got to find ways that you got to leverage yourself. Right. Like, right. I think you guys get like $92 a, a session for Medicare. Right. I don't know. I'm not a Medicare provider. Oh yeah, that's right. I think PTs get 92. We get like something like 18 or something. Yeah, so sounds about right. Yeah. So it's like, Hey, you got to transition to cash and, and we got to do it fast and I'm not going to be the guy, you know, on the ground with you all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you? Yeah, that's funny. This is the cash PT lunch hour. I'm like, oh, do you take Medicare? Oh. No, we don't. <laughs> so let me ask you this. The Medicare quick. PT lunch hour show, that thing bombed. I mean, those the guys. Medicare PT money. lunch hour. Yeah, it's cost too much. Yeah. <laughs> they, couldn't even, they couldn't even pay for the free downloads. <laughs> you got to see a lot of people at $18 to actually pay for something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, that's crazy. We didn't, that's why we went to cash, dude. We were, we were yeah. all operating in cash as well. I'm you know, it's just, you realize quickly when you're only getting a little bit per session, like you got to get creative. You either see 60 people an hour or you slow it down and you, you know, yeah. get people to pay money. Right. And like everybody talks smack about like a bunch, you know, like, I mean, forget PTs and chiros. I always look at like your primary care provider, if they're insurance based, there's no way that they went to school going, you know what I want to do? I want to spend three minutes with each patient. I don't really want to get to an accurate diagnosis. I want to just write scripts left and right that I hope work. Like that's not what they wanted to do, but just the financial pressure that was put on them and the the number of visits they have to see to pay the rent and satisfy everybody. They fall into that at some point, not making a conscious decision to do it. But if you ask any of them, like, why'd you go into medicine? I want to help people. Not, I want to deliver crappy care in, in a minute and a half, you know? Yeah. So we all like slide in these models. And I think, you know, I think I would just guess Aaron that you're probably your best clients are the ones that were deepest down that hole and have come up because they realize how great what we do can be um, rather than the ones that, you know, like if you're straight out of school and you don't know another model, you're like, Oh, this seems good. You know, like uh, look at the SFMA. Like if you haven't screwed up a lot of patients and, and stayed up thinking about like, how come Mr. LeBauer never got better? How come he was in worse pain when he left? And like diagnostics aren't as important to you because you haven't had the pain of like how bad it can suck. Right. It's like, what is the problem? Like when you, when you struggle with that and you find the solution, then it's even better. And it's like, shit, you know, this thing is like the magic. It's not just magic. It's like solves a problem you've been struggling with for a long time. Like something that's kind of, huh? There's a guy that says, there's a comedian who said, if you want to, if you want to change the tax, um, tax laws in the U S just pay everybody their paycheck in cash and then make them hand you back the money yeah. that the taxes would take out. 
And I think it's the same thing. Like if you want to get like, if you want to get more people into cash PT, make them have to hand fill out the HICFA forms. Don't, you can't own a software that does it. No, I'm saying like pen and paper in about a week and a half, they'll be beating down your door. Aaron, (laughs) help. God dang it, help me, please. I know. Well, they got to employ a bunch of other people just to, nowadays, yeah. I mean, I've talked to someone who insurance, um, my my videos, funny. Um, insurance I thought I was is, getting drunk here. I was like, man. I know. Man. The, uh, the copay is 50 bucks and insurance is going to, you know, the total payment is 64. So they got to go fight tooth and nail for $14 or less or the mm-hmm. other way around, you know. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. crazy. Um, so, Talking about cash, you said, you know, you bring in Medicare patients. What did you guys, how did you get them to decide that it's worth paying you extra? Like, how do you transition them to cash? What other programs did you have? What were some of the things yeah. you were doing? That- I didn't clarify earlier, but, you know, the TPI is all about golf. Like, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a movement screening for golf, right? Yeah. And so, uh, for those people listening, there are a lot of great clients sitting in country clubs right now. Like typically country clubs are wealthy people and the older you are, the more years you had at becoming wealthy. Like you had more chances of getting wealthy. Um, it's hard to do when you're 20. It's not that hard to do when you're 80. So, uh, we did a ton of work with country clubs. I mean, I was speaking, you know, doing public speaking, doing all that. So you get people in now they're all older and they're like, Oh, I have Medicare. And it's like, all right, cool. The conversation we would have is Medicare will pay for this thing, but I don't know if that'll make you better at golf. Now I want to do these things that'll make you better at golf. Those are all cash, just FYI. I mean, I'm happy to do either one. Let them make the decision. Now, 99 out of 100 make the decision to do the performance stuff, which is all Mm -hmm. cash. And the person that looks at that and decides to go after Medicare, I refer them to another provider. Like, you're not going to be happy here. Yeah. Our DNA twists in a different direction, brother, and that's fine, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. That's what drove it is that that going after, uh, had I gone after, you know, 35 to 55 year old runners. I might not have been doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys, so it's interesting. So with PT and I want to clarify this for people listening as well, but with PT, if I'm not a Medicare provider, I'm significantly limited in treating Medicare patients. Are you guys as chiropractors just because did you have to be a Medicare provider, but then you also did this as cash based service or how did that work? Yeah. So what I ended up doing, um, dude, this is like discoverable information, right? The, the feds can look into this. We can't be admitting all the tricks here. No, I'm just all right. <laughs> um, yeah. So what we did is when we realized that there was going to be that friction within Medicare of, do we provide this? So we started a separate company that was, um, doing the handling the fitness side. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I would clearly say like, I want to put you into the fitness side and that's everything that happens outside. So it was a gym. And so like, Hey, everything that happens in this little office is Medicare. Everything that happens out there is non Medicare. And it was pretty clear to them. We, you know, get them to sign a, uh, what is that form that you need to have them sign? ABF? ABN. ABN. Yeah. And we'd tell them like, you know, cause, and the other thing is if you're not in pain, like you can't hit up Medicare and I'd say, are you in pain? No, I just want to hit the ball further. Whereas I just get sore after golf. I'm like, well, that's not in the world of Medicare, you know? And, uh, and most of them understood it. Like, and again, we're self-selecting a list of higher end clients though. So, you know, asking them for 150 bucks is not the end of the world for them, you know? Right. What does a set of golf clubs cost these days? Oh dude, like these people like a thousand bucks and they'll have a set at their home club and one in the garage and another one at, 
you know, in, in, in California at their vacation homes. So. Right. Right. It's like a bicycle. When but I used again, to race like, bikes, it was 1500 bucks. Nowadays are $5,000. Yeah. You got to, you were not going to buy one, right? Like, right. No. Yeah. It's, it's funny though. Like in any business, if you, if you just provide a ton, like what the person wants, mm-hmm. um, like they're willing to pay for it. Like, I mean, I look at you, like you strike me as a guy that wants freedom, right? Yeah. If I sell you a tool or software, I'm like, yeah, this allows me to take more time off. You're like, I'm in, you know, right. it's not a, like there, there's very few pr- true price wars in business, right? Like maybe that's all commodities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I can get this Ford from the other dealership for, you know, a thousand dollars less. That's different. But if it's like, I don't know, like a friend of mine's a, a cosmetic surgeon, you know, like, <laughs> like women are going there for procedures. They're not, they're not price shopping. Right. I always laugh when you go down the, the freeway and around here, there's this like big billboard. It says LASIK. It's like five ninety nine per eye, and it's like got a red X through it, and it's like you know one ninety nine an eye. I'm like, all right, I'm out. Like, I don't, I don't want the low price provider on the one for my eyeballs, you know? Yeah, I know. I I paid fifteen thousand an eye to make sure it exactly. They're actually across from my old office. There was a pediatrician, and it said like, um, new. What was it? It was like ABC Pediatrics new new patient special. $19 or something like that. New patient exam, right? And I'm like, all right, so this is a guy that's looking to build his, he was fairly new in town, looking to build his practice. But I just think like, can you imagine, uh, Aaron, are you married? Like, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine going to your wife? Like, Hey, listen, I took the kids to a pediatrician today. Luckily he was the cheapest guy in town. <laughs> like she would like jump on top of you and attack you like a, an angry cougar, right? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? No. And no one ever goes through the, the goes to a pediatrician based on price, you right. know? Right. Like, so how do you keep people from coming to see you, <laughs> choosing you based on price? And how do you know exactly what they want? So you can, yeah. yeah. What's the secret? Yeah. It, it's like, if you're, if you niche down, it becomes easy. Like when people say, oh, the, the riches are in the niches, it's, it's, I think it, it gives you that ability. Like we went after golfers. It was easy to find golfers. They hang out at country clubs, the ones we want, you know, what do they want to talk about? Golf. It's like, you know, if I was going after cyclists, it's like, I just build relationships with the local bike shops. Right. Right. And like have a lot of coffee early mornings at like 6am by the bike trails. Right. Like <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a yeah we used to everyone. go on coffee rides on day, on like our off days. We just go ride to Mill Valley, get some coffee, ride back to San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I went down to, um, uh, Newport beach. Yeah. And like, I was the only guy in line at Starbucks who was not wearing Lycra, probably to the appreciation of the employees, but you know, that's awesome. I was like, this is crazy. Well, if I want to go after bikers, like I'd make Saturday mornings at Starbucks a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So how'd you get into like the country clubs? Was there a secret uh, handshake? Was there a strategy used or something like that? Yeah. You pull up to the gates and they're like, you know, did you vote Republican? Yes. We have to run your credit. I was like, Oh no. And they're like, do you own a gun? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, people think they're, what do they say? Country clubs are pale, male and stale. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's a new one for me. That's so good. Um, so like anything, I, I think looking back, you know, like, uh, on the experience, it's the, the key to the thing was I, I tried to provide value to the pro there Mm -hmm. and, and everybody says that, but really it comes down to, I think three things. Some pros 
the highest end country club, they were feeling pressure from management to provide um, events, content, stuff for their members. So they wanted somebody to come in and present. And I was like, I'll, I'll do that all day, right? Mm-hmm. There's another one where um, they had a lot of members that traveled a lot. And so they didn't really need the on-site stuff. Like that just wasn't a thing there. But the pro there had a, had a lot of back pain and it was limiting him from playing with members and he really wanted to get back to playing. So for him, it was, I offered to treat him for free, you know, and uh, he was super appreciative about that. And I just made it super easy. And then another one, um, they were trying to launch some new fitness programs. So that one, I did some joint programs with the, um, their trainers out on the range and just put it out there where people can see it. And we talked about golf injuries and whatnot. So that one, I kind of played a prop in a, in a, in a, a bigger thing that was going on, but it worked. All three of those worked one of those will break free. You yeah. Know? So how'd you get that first introduction? Did you go to him and say, Hey, my name's Josh and, uh, I'm really good at treating back pain and golfers or like, was there something else? That, yeah. I um, always try and call and tell them what they're going to do for me. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, I, I hadn't, I was about three years into practice and I, and I wanted to get in, get into golf and I started asking every one of my patients, Hey, do you know any golfers? Mm-hmm. And they're, and the sixth woman I asked was this beautiful Brazilian woman. She said, yeah, my husband's a golf instructor. I was like, mm-hmm. really? And she's like, yeah, he teaches at the Butch Harmon school. And I was like, now in the world of, of golf, like the Butch, Har- Butch Harmon is the number one instructor in the world. Like, um, I don't know if you know anything about golf, but like, this would be like, uh, I don't know who's the best cycling coach in the world. Oh, Eddie Boishwitz. Well, right. it's day two. Maybe like saying, yeah, my, my husband works with Eddie Boishwitz. Like, and you're like, what? Yeah. You know? Um, and so I was like, well, could we ever have coffee? And she's like, oh, yeah, love it. So she set up a meeting. We just had coffee. And he's like, yeah, come up to the school sometime. And so I went up there and shook hands and whatnot. And then I told him, like, yeah, I'm really interested in working in golf. Like, what can I do? And he's like, I helped him out with some pain he had. And then I, I kept asking that question and he's like, you know, you need to meet so-and-so and mm-hmm. along the way. So I probably met three pros from that conversation and only, only like one of them really ran with the idea. But that person was like, yeah, we need to do some stuff for our members. Would you mind speaking? And I was like, yeah, I love it. That's you know? awesome. That's yeah. awesome. What was your offer? Do you remember? Did you uh, like, yeah, the first one was horrible. Yeah. The first one was horrible. It was like, come down for a free assessment and, uh, and about, I don't know, we got about eight people for free and about three of them stuck around. So yeah. that didn't really make the money actually with the golf pros. I'll tell you like the thing that worked that uh, we tried a bunch of stuff and for anybody listening, the one that worked the best for us, I'm not saying this will work everywhere is if you have a golfer that is already paying for golf lessons, that tells you this person has some free cash mm-hmm. and they're interested in improving, right? Cause golf lessons are kind of tough to make. Like, you know, you got to either get off work early to make them before the sun goes down or you got to show up, you know, early to the range and going into golf and into work late. But we'd say, um, if you bring them in for a performance assessment, which for us is about an hour and a half to two hour long thing about assess their strength, their flexibility, how well they move for golf, how much rotation they have. Do you have any pain? Took them through a bunch of tests, a battery of tests. Um, but we said, it, it costs $250 for that. It's two hours long. If you come in with your student telling the golf instructor, if you bring your student in, I'll, I'll give you back 150 of it. So it worked well for a lot of reasons. One of which is if you ever feel like your whole team is around you, if you're willing to pay more for that, right? So like mm-hmm. Aaron, if, if 
your coach said you need to go into this PT clinic and your bike fitter came with you and you just feel like the, the athlete, right? Like you're happy as a clam, right? Right. So we all had this unified conversation. The other thing is, you know, golf instructors, they don't make, they can't make any money when the sun goes down unless they have an indoor facility, but out here, like everybody's outdoor, right? So like at four o'clock, four thirty in the afternoon, their day is tailing off. Well, if you know, you can bring Mr. LeBauer by at five o'clock and make another $150. You're happy too, right? Right. And then that golfer felt like, man, my team is here and, and Josh knows exactly what's going on with me. And, you know, we're very clear about what we're trying to build. Oh, I want to build a better turn or I'm trying to hit the ball, you know, trying to create this shot and I really need to get my wrist to come through the ball, whatever it is. Um, it's very easy to just be like, oh yeah, that, you know, like, like in our world, if you improve somebody's internal hip rotation on their lead side, yeah, right. Like the world opens up. Oh, it helps me hit it farther. Absolutely. And more consistent. Yes. And I don't have back pain. Right. Like so much happens now to us. It's just hip internal rotation, but to that person, it's like unlocking the keys of the universe, you know? Right. Right. And so when you provide that and you do it in front of the golf pro, they're like, Oh, this person understands. He supports me. He, you know, he understands that it costs me money to, you know, work with people and Mm -hmm. everybody's happy. So that, that's the offer that worked the best. Yeah. So that creates a win-win for everyone. So the golf pro is now seen as the expert as well because he's partnered with you and yeah, you know, that's awesome. That's really great. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I, I used to, I, I grew up playing golf. I don't know who the, 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 the golf pro guy was, but I could, yeah. sh- if I actually was consistent, I he instructed a kid named Tiger Woods back in the day. Oh, that guy. That, yeah. That guy went on to do okay. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> he needs a traveling, uh, traveling therapy team apparently. Oh dude. Yeah. And a boatload of painkillers. I, I, I've heard varying <laughs> stories, but somebody said that he's actually fused at three levels now. Wow. Which is insane that you're playing that high of uh, rotary sport at, with any fusion in yeah. my mind. Yeah. But well, I don't know body, if that's just body's really good at compensating. I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, that's why elite athletes are elite, right? They're masters of compensation. Right. Masters of compensation and tolerating um, discomfort. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I won't use the word, pain. I'll say pain, but it's really discomfort. It doesn't register with them like yeah. it does with us, right? Yeah, it's when I was racing bikes, it was... Who, who's going to, you know, one of my uh, mentors is like, whoever's going to win is the person who's going to tolerate the pain the longest. Yeah. You know, it's pretty much true. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So you had a practice and then you sold it. And so what led to the sale and what are you doing now? And why, why is that more aligned with what you, what you want to be doing in the world? <laughs> yeah. So uh, remember when I said like we had leveraged, um, the physical or not the physical libraries, the personal trainers and the strength coaches and massage therapists and all that. So I developed what I called the clinic gym hybrid, which was um, just taking a step back. I, I don't, I, I think in most markets, maybe New York and Los Angeles isn't true, but in most markets, there's not an unlimited amount of new patients. Right. And so I think you got to maximize the patients that you have and try and get them into long-term services, which I think the best maintenance care, if you will, is, is exercise. So we developed that model and we were using the personal trainers, um, uh, to deliver a lot of that. Right. And so I'd hired a second chiropractor and we were, uh, I think like our training of our staff was impeccable. And, um, a couple, a couple discussions started. Like one was like, do you want to go more after pros or the country club folk? And I think the country club are, those folk are year round and they're, um, they're, they pay well and they're easy to deal with. 
Uh, but there's no glory in that, right? Nobody wants to post like, hey, this 82-year-old guy, like, just, you know, played a little bit better than he did last week. and didn't have any pain. Uh, we also had some professional athletes coming in, and I think that there was, like, pressure more to from the staff. They want to deal with more of that because it's, it's an ego thing, right? Like, it feels good to know that you're associated with that. And uh, But as a business owner, like, you don't need ego. You need to pay the bills, <laughs> you know? And so it finally got to a point uh, where I think there was that difference. And, um, and the four of my employees uh, who uh, they, I think they got an investor and um, they approached about purchasing it and it's kind of like unsolicited. But uh, at that time, uh, my wife and I were, we talked about it and it was, it made sense at that time, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, allowed me to do some other things that I've been working on for a while and that we're excited to get after. And I love teaching that kind of recharges my batteries and got into that and uh, the consulting. And I think the world of chiropractic right now is in, is at a tipping point and I'm, I'm betting on the future of that as well. So a lot of things came together to make that happen. And it was a perfect situation. That's awesome. So you're doing, yeah. you teaching for, you know, TPI SFMA some weekend. Yeah. That's like a labor of love. That's a passion project. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. you know, but it, it's fun. I love going out there meeting people. As you can see, like I love being around people and I, I know the impact that had on my professional life. So mm -hmm. I'm happy to share that with folks. And then um, I have my own consulting company where I'm helping these chiros get set up with the, the fitness aspect and blending that all into the clinical model. And then we have some other things in the work that we're, you know, just trying to change the world in a, in our little corner of it. That's awesome. So why yeah. is it so important to you? The changing the world? Yeah. Uh, so no, no BS here. Like, um, there were a lot of years that I was a chiropractor and people ask you, what'd you do? I'd say, Oh, I'm in sports medicine. I would have, I'm in sports medicine or, and then, Oh, are you are you a physical therapist? Something like that. I would avoid saying I'm a chiropractor. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know if like you feel like you're second rate or something, but, um, that license hasn't always been like the proud badge on a lot of people's chest. You know, mm -hmm. I think you, you, um, PTs in general have a lot of legitimacy based on the fact you're like in hospitals and you're well accepted and you know, it's just known, Hey, if I have surgery, I'm going to go have physical therapy after. Um, and that bothers me. That eats yeah. at me. You know, I want to be proud of what I do and I want everybody around me to be proud. And when I heard other chiropractors saying that same thing, I'm like, we got to change. Like we have to do something. And so, um, I don't think, I don't, I know like we both have like the APTA and the ACA are both like doing a lot of legislation I don't think you can ever legislate yourself. I don't say, I don't, I don't think you can legislate your profession to respect. Like, I don't think you can elevate yourself through um, legislation. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like I hope, I think this whole battle of like dry needling, for example, um, it's really hard if everybody's getting really good results and everybody's proud of doing dry needling, we're doing it safely and we're performing it well and our patients love it. It's going to be very hard for anybody to step in and take that away from us. Right. But if you look like all the case, like how do, how do you get dry needling taken away? Oh, you talk about pneumothorax and these incidents. Well, if everybody was just good and never did stupid shit like that, like <laughs> seriously, like if that right. had, if those people had said like, Oh, do I have a bony backdrop here? No, I'm already over the lung field. Like, let's think about this. Yeah. There would be no case. Right. Right. So going back to what I'm doing is I think that the key to the world, if you want to elevate one of our professions is sports. 
Like if I, if you are, for example, Tiger Woods, if he says, Oh, the only reason I'm playing today is due to this chiropractor or due to this PT, like there is no issue anymore, right? Like, like we don't have a, a, um, you know, we don't have an issue with getting notoriety or getting respect. Well, and I don't think pediatrics or neuro or rehab or anything like that ever touches what sports does. Right. Right. And, and the cleanliness of sport is like, nobody cares what your license is. If you just help them perform better, they don't care. Like they don't, you don't need to be an MD or a PT or a DC. It doesn't matter. Like, Hey dude, you help me win. Mm -hmm. Stay here. Like you're going with me. Right. Yeah. And like, I don't know what it's like in your profession, but in my profession, like if you want to go to the Olympics, there's some people that say, Oh, you have to be certified by this national board of chiropractic sports physicians or something to go. And I'm like, uh, I, I don't think that that's true. If an athlete goes, I want Aaron to go with me. Right. Like I, I, he, he got me here. I want him to go. Like if you're on the, you know, if you're going to the tour de France, you don't need anybody's certification other than the, the rider, right? Like, right. That's it. So we're trying to work that angle and, and really advance the profession of chiropractic to a level where I think it, there's no discussion about, there's no qualification like, Hey, we're great period. Not great dot, dot, dot for chiropractors or great dot, dot, dot for this. No, 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 just great. And I also think that the world is changing so fast, dude, that like, uh, we have to set ourselves above and, and out there at a high level because you look at like, you look at the, so just the personal trainers, like a lot of people disagree with me on, on, on what they should be used for, but they're hungry as a group. They're searching for information. Right. And, and they want to do the, you know, they, they're doing soft tissue in your town. Like they're doing it. That's not because they're evil people. That's because they, they're trying to expand their scope. So we need to hustle and expand our scope and we're not going to do it by demands and, and laws and stuff. We're going to do it by providing amazing care and understanding how to get people better faster. Right. You know? because, so I want to do that. Go ahead. And because That's awesome. Because other providers aren't doing it for them. You right. Know, they're like, they're, we yeah. got to see 20 of you and we're not going to spend the time to do that. So the person's right. Do it. <laughs> Cause there's a need. And so, yeah, I, I just want to get my profession out there and, and elevated and, and um, get it out of a level where I think it, it can hang with everybody. And that five years from now, if somebody graduates from chiropractic college, there'll be the perception of the public about chiropractic. Like you said earlier in this interview, you don't do exactly what my perception is. Yeah. And I don't want to try and market my way to having a different perception. I want to perform and just be like, here's what we do. And we do it better than anybody. So your perception is based on what your experience is. And right. No, I, I agree. And the, the interesting thing and why I do like having chiropractors as friends and on the show is because there are things that you guys do as a profession that as physical therapists, we can't even hold a candle because, well, because of the situation, like PTs start as physician extenders. Mm -hmm. So what do PTs do that I don't like? They rely on physicians to tell us what to do. We're, we're, we're in a group in general, even though we have direct access, we're relying on someone else to tell us what to do and to send us patients. Mm -hmm. Those chiropractors, because you're, I wouldn't say marginalized, but you know, healthcare wise, you're on the margin. It's a marginal yeah. thing. Yeah. So you have to figure out a way to get people to come in. Everyone knows what chiropractors do. They know what to expect when you say I'm a chiropractor and people who want it or have been helped by it or friends have been helped by it know exactly what they're going to get. They don't, they think we do hot backs, legless and ultrasound. 
or post-surgical rehab. And it's- Well, you guys put a lot of people on exercise bikes too. Don't forget that. Oh yeah, exercise bikes. <laughs> like exercise bikes, like go get on the upper body erg. Right, yeah. Bike for 15 minutes. I think it's a magical time. So I can go, you know, see this other patient at the same time. Yeah. Whatever. And it's- um, yeah, You guys got direct access and then everybody was like fighting for that. And then it's like, you guys got it. And it's like- Don't even use it. Oh, do we it. actually have to use it? Do we have to ask for patients? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like people- you guys like, are fighting for it. There are clinics out there, this just boggles my mind. You have direct access and still require a physician's referral or script to see patients. Yeah. It's like, why? Right. I get it. And, yeah, but and that's, again, awesome. that's a perfect example. I'm not attacking your profession. It's just a perfect yeah. example of, you can legislate your way into anything, but doesn't mean that you're actually good at it, you know? Right. And, and I think what you're doing is like, you're telling people you have to be good at business and you got to maximize that for ex- one aspect of it. You have to maximize the scope, you have to maximize what you're paid for. And when you, you know, if you have the chance to go direct access cash pay, like why not maximize that ability? Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I don't know, man. Uh, I think you're fighting the good fight. <laughs> Thanks. You I would too. just tell you my experience, like talking to people and I've had some PTs as clients. Um, yeah. And yeah, like chiropractors are inherently entrepreneurial and PTs like I would joked with one guy who was a client. I said, do you need like a doctor's referral to say like, it's okay for you to move forward here? Like, what are you waiting for? Right. And I'm just trying to poke the bear enough that he actually moves on it. But I'm like, what? like it just drives me nuts when people put these like restrictions on it. Like, Oh yeah, you can't do that because of HIPAA. You can't do that because of Medicare. You can't, it's like, okay, those are all walls that there are ways around those walls. Like mm-hmm. if I inform you that I'm going to, if I ask for your permission, I can now you know, do whatever I want with patient communication. Like HIPAA no longer applies. Like I gave you the option. I informed you, you made a clear decision and now it's fine to put up a picture of you at my clinic or something, you know? Right. right. Ridiculous. So yeah. anyways. Yeah, no, I get it. Do you, th- do you think that, I take it you don't like to be uh, micromanaged? No, no way. <laughs> Have like you, like- private ownership of business is like, it's freedom. And if, as soon yeah. as freedom gets taken away, I'm willing to work 85 hours for myself. I don't want to work. No offense, Aaron. I would not work 40 hours for you. Yeah. But that's, yeah, but that's just who I am. And like, there are people that don't mind that. Yeah. Even though I wouldn't micromanage you. Even then, I don't know if I'd still do it, (laughs) but I'm a weird bird like that. You know, how'd you come to that realization? Like, where did this, (laughs) how did you realize that, that, that I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. Thousands of dollars in counseling would be, (laughs) That helped. Um, no, I mean, so when I, when I, I'll tell you like, okay, so if you want to go deep here, so um, I happen to have a, a backpacking trip scheduled the month before I ended up selling my clinic. Mm-hmm. And I would tell you that the three days out in the woods provided like massive amounts of clarity as to what was going on. For example, freedom is the driver of me. Like I need, when I was up in those mountains, like looking at the you know, looking around and like being, I could hike that up there if I wanted. I could go down this path. Like I can go wherever I want and having that freedom and being there with my son. Like that was one of the best experiences of my life for who I am. Like nobody was dictating my time there. Right. And I took his grandfather with us and my brother-in-law, who's his uncle. So it was like three generations of our family on that trail. That was a huge deal that changed my perspective because what I had realized is we were growing and uh, my facility was like we were treating we were the best known facility in the area for 
golf performance for treatment of golf injuries. You know, we were getting referrals for professional athletes from their teams and whatnot because they're like, Hey, we know you guys are good. We're doing all that. And it was putting more and more restrictions on me. Mm -hmm. And, and I wanted to solve that. But when I was looking at my solutions, they were not aligned with what my true goal was, which was freedom. Right. Right. And so when the employees stepped up and said, we, we want to take it over, what they're saying is we want to free you up to do the things that you want to do. And for that, like, here's what we're willing to, to offer. And at that time that made sense because I had unfortunately given up a lot of freedom without realizing it. I would say that that's the worst part is I wasn't aware of where that deal with the devil came in, you know, and one of the downsides, I mean, even in my consulting business, I don't take on clients that are looking to just double their amount of work. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that doesn't happen when they're like, oh yeah, I'm just going to coach and blah, 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 for the longest time. I'm like, you're not going to fit. Cause what I'm trying to do is teach you a model where you could double your business and not have to double your fulfillment personally. Right. You know, like these guys that are like, oh, I'll send, I'm sure you see these jokers online that are like, oh yeah, we'll double the number of new patients you get. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, okay, great. You just doubled the number of hours I'm going to work this week and probably tripled the work that the front desk person's going to do. And, and that's supposed to, I'm supposed to pay you for that. Like that's hell. Like that's, that's indentured servitude, man. Like I don't want that. And, um, you know, it's like that, that's not how it's supposed to work. And so for those people that are like, yeah, I started this business cause I wanted to be free and everybody talks about it. Oh, when I have kids, I'm going to slow down or I'm doing this. I'm going to hire a second doctor. It's like pencil that out for me. Let me see how that works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just drove me nuts. And I'm like, dude, we have to change the model that we offer here because if you are in fact motivated by freedom, yeah, like you have, you can't just give it up all the time. Yeah. What's the number one, what's the number one thing someone can do or that you did to set that up for yourself? I mean, like to get freedom, like whether, you know, is it, it, was it just selling your practice and getting out of ownership or is it just, No, that was like an extreme else. example of it. You know, like yeah. I would say, I would say do this, look at your list of clients. Like if you, if, if, if we're talking to somebody who right now is in practice mm-hmm. and right now is busy and going, dude, I, I'm, I'm not making the money I want based on how much t- t- work I'm doing. Like, I'm not saying they're not making good money. I'm saying I work 60 hours a week to make what I thought it would take 40, you know, like right. that kind of thing. So print out your daily list of this week's patients and take a highlighter and find every one of them that is like at a three out of 10 or below and, and truly ask yourself, like, do you need to be the person to see this person? Mm-hmm. Or just like you talked about PTs being physician extenders, could there be PT extenders that take those people like three out of 10, no major, you know, they're not, they don't have major joint instability or comorbidities and stuff like that. Like, I get it. Like, but use your talents, use your clinical skill set, use your knowledge to go to ha- provide a higher service to the people who really need you. Mm-hmm. And I think in every practice I've ever seen, about 30% of the clients, you don't need to be the one seeing them. You don't. Like, it's great. It's nice. But okay, so take that 30% and do something with that time. Right. So 30% of a 40-hour of a week is, uh, what is that, 12 hours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So got 12 hours. So you're at least getting a day back. So let's say it's Fridays. If, if you had your way, if you had your druthers and like, there's no restrictions, like Aaron, when you were in practice, what was the busiest you are in practice? I'll just use you as an example. Oh, like per week or per day? Either way. Like what was the time period I'm asking? Was it like three, 
five years ago, eight years ago? When I was the busiest was probably about two years ago when I was running two full-time businesses before I had hired, you know, PTs and employees. So I'm seeing 26 people a week plus doing all the coaching and consulting. And if you back up a couple more years of when you were not running the second coaching business, Mm -hmm. like just straight up like clinical stuff, were you, was you, were you seeing more than 26 a week? No, 26 people a week. And that I was, you know, okay. I had Tuesday, yeah. Thursdays to go to yoga and teach yoga on Tuesdays at noon. And, you know, the week I, mean, I wasn't, you know, I was kind of, you know, like, I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So if I would have said, like, listen, I'll give you a half a day every week. Like you yeah. can take Wednesday afternoons off, but you have to do something for you, right. not for the clinic, not for business, not for anything for you. What would you have done? Oh, I'd go work out or ride my bike or pick up my kids from school. All right. So let's say you ride your bike, right? Yeah. That, and that's the prize. Like, I think everybody listening can look at that and go, if I shaved off 30% of my schedule, what, it, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And if you're the kind of person that's like, oh, well, I do housework, I catch up on my chores. Like, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the person that's like, that's what I always thought when I was in school or that's what I thought my first two years of practice. And I would go, I got a, I got a dude that loves archery. Like that dude would shoot his bow every day of the week. They can. That's his. That's his passion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I got a, uh, another woman who's a graphic designer, like loves doing art and graphics and everything. She would do that. Cool. Like you could get there in one month. Yeah, you could literally shave off thirty percent of your schedule and get there in one month. And I'm sure you, when you went when you started hiring people, you realize like when you get over the hump of the sphere, people are incredibly capable. Right. But we have this idea like, oh, I need to hold on to those people. And then, so you're going to start with 30%, but it's truly more like 50%, maybe more than that, that you don't need to be seeing right now, mm-hmm. but just go for 30% and see if you can open up one afternoon or one full day a week and do the things you thought you do. And if it's cash, and by the way, if it's in a gym and those people are personal trainers that like, there's no supervision required. FYI. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't need to be there watching them. It's a separate cash service and happens every day in your town. There are people charging cash for personal training. So, right. Right. That's awesome. That's that, great. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. Cause I get a lot of people who are like, Oh, I'm so busy. I'm like, well, this is a good problem. Yeah. And now we yeah. got to figure out how to make it, you know, the way you want it. Yeah. You know? That's great. Is there one thing that looking back over your career, so up till right now <laughs> that you would change that you would do differently or that you made a mistake and oh, like, Oh, I would do it a different way you want a list? Like I have a, it'll look like a five-year-old's Christmas list. If I list off all the failures I've had, man. Um, well then what keeps you yeah. going? Like when you, when you come up to something, you're like, Oh, that didn't work. That's a failure. It, what keeps you going to make, make it, uh, well, okay. So it doesn't become a failure. The one thing that I would say I've recently realized about myself. And I would say that the marker of the start of that was that backpacking trip, uh, uh, whatever that was two years ago is being very clear on what the hell we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, we can do this. We can do that. Like, let's just be super clear about what we're doing. Like, ah, I want to do this and I want to do that. Okay. Like that's fine. I want to make a, I want to make $250,000 a year. Okay. Is that the priority? Yes. Well then we're going to have to get uncomfortable with some things like, would you be willing to see 12 people an hour then? Well, no, no, no. It's like, okay, well then we're not clear on our goal because if the goal is just to make the most amount of money as possible, other things should be, you know, would have to deprioritize to allow our priority to go to the highest right. and, um, and just being clear on what you want. So I was recently involved in a big negotiation that went on 
a long time and we'll see if it works out. It got delayed and I don't know if it worked out, but if I step back right now, I would say one of the issues that's overarching it is that both that the other side was not clear in what they wanted to me. Mm-hmm. And because if afterwards what they came back with, I'm like, well, that's not what we talked about at the beginning. And therefore I wouldn't even got into this situation with you. Right. You know what I mean? Like, hold on a second. Like, that's not what we're looking for. Like I'm taking my kids skiing in, in, in early March. The, the goal of that is for them to experience the snow and have fun and, and be excited. And if that means that I buy them three hot chocolates throughout the day, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The goal is not for them to become expert skiers in one day. Right. And if they get hurt or they get bumped, I'm going to spend extra time getting them back onto their skis because I want them to leave that week loving skiing, loving snowboarding, mm-hmm. right? I don't, and, and so to do that, I might have to sweet talk them a little bit, but that's okay in that context. So right. being clear, dude, is, is very like, you know, even with my wife, like with my marriage, like when we're clear about what is it that you want this to be? Oh, I want you to be a provider and I want uh, our kids to be this. And I want our kids to take piano. Like that was a big mm-hmm. deal. Like she wanted our kids to take piano. It's like, I never really thought about it, you know, right, right. But it matters to her. So, you know, yeah, that's anyways, I'm, I'm rambling here, but that, that's kind of the deal. But that's great. I mean, I think that's a good, um, a good point to make because it's, uh, it's being clear with yourself and with other people, having clear communications, expectations about what your priorities are and what, yeah. you know, what you'll, uh, settle for to get something else or what you'll, what you'll take a hit on, you know, you know, mm-hmm. to get, to get to the goal. And if that's not, doesn't feel right, then that's not the right goal. Right. Why'd you get into, uh, coaching? because I enjoy helping people and help them succeed. And then I realized it was the reason I kept going after it was because I realized I can't only help 26 people a week, but if I can help other people be successful, then I can magnify my, my abilities, my reach, my time, my effort. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I think the freedom thing, like I was seeing too many of my colleagues, like tying themselves in knots, like, it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like that, that's not why you got into this game, you know? Yeah. I mean, the freedom thing's on the other end. You know, it's like the, to me, it's the byproduct. It's like, I get that. No one gets to tell me what to do because I realized 20 years ago, I didn't like to be micromanaged. I didn't thrive when I was micromanaged mm-hmm. and I can, I can work when I want to work and I don't have to work when I don't want to work. Yeah. Like Thursday, I'm taking my kids to go skiing. You know, it's yes. great. And I get to go like play hooky from work for a few days and I have the freedom and I have the impact in the communities that I want. And it's, it's really awesome. <laughs> I can't think of a better yeah. thing to be doing, you know, Yeah. other than riding my bike for pay. And I'm a little on the old side to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, Josh, um, it's, it's been great having you on the show. It, it, and, um, you know, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person someday yeah, man. Uh, maybe, maybe you have to send me a list of, uh, you know, um, conferences you're going to be at. And so I'll come drop in or audit another SFMA sometime. That'd be awesome. There, bro. Go out to dinner. But, um, can you tell if someone wants to find you, contact you afterwards, ask you some questions, where can they go to find more information about you, what you're doing, who you're helping? Yeah. Um, so my consulting company is called clinic gym hybrid solutions, but it's at clinic um, clinicgymhybrid.com. And I also have a podcast or I had a great guest named Aaron LeBauer. If you want to listen to him, um, that's called clinic gym radio. And, um, yeah, if, if you're interested in that model, like, I mean, I'm happy to help you, but 
the first 10 episodes of my podcast, I really recorded them as like a, how do you do it kind of thing. So if you go back and listen to those, it's how do you market it? How do you set up small group training, all those things. Um, so it's like a, a step-by-step guide. And uh, yeah, if anybody, I'm pretty, my name is pretty unique. So if you want to <laughs> type it into Facebook, I don't think you're going to find that many chiropractors with that last name. Right. But if you just have questions or you want to just say like, hey man, I, I heard you on Aaron's thing and here's what I'm wondering. Uh, happy to answer questions for people like that. Awesome. Like this awesome. world is pretty small, man. Like we're not going to get that far away from someone who knows both of us, I think. No, I mean, I'm sure, I, I think I probably know a few people that know both of us just by... Yeah, Eileen, man. Eileen yeah. Thompson, right? Like, we both yep. know her. She's awesome. Yeah, she is great. I met her at a course, and then she, then I met her at CSM. She stopped me at yeah. CSM, and then she enrolled in one of my programs, and, you know, she's, she's awesome. just sent over people over me, and she's, you know... And then, yeah. then somewhere, Facebook decided to tag her as me every time I, a picture posted. It was really funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I think yeah. she's, no offense, buddy. She, I think she's much better looking than you. She is better looking than me. And yeah, you too. Yeah. I mean, like the two of us combined, and, uh, you know. Yeah, I know. She's got a smile that could freaking, they can see from outer space, I think, you know. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Um, well, Josh, thanks again for being on the show. I really My appreciate pleasure. it. And um, for anyone out there listening, this is the Cash PT Lunch Hour with Aaron LeBauer and Josh Satterley. And thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks again for spending your time with us today. If you're a new listener, then thanks for checking out the show. And don't forget, you can find all the resources and links mentioned, as well as show notes over at AaronLeBauer.com. If you found this podcast and information valuable to you, we would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review on iTunes and a shout out on social media wherever you hang out. 